Hi, welcome to the Federal IT Newscast at ATARC. I'm Kirsten Patton, the Working Group Manager. This is the first episode in a series with our partners at GitLab. The purpose of this series is to provide a platform for others to share their journey of digital transformation, expand upon their passion and purpose, and to get a message out to the federal government and audience to learn more about digital and IT transformation with evolving technology and a focus on DevOps. The goal is to invite change agents who are effectively improving mission enablement and user experience, as well as leaders in the federal space that inspire, educate, and promote innovation and collaboration, and have them share their story over a 15-minute coffee chat. With that, I will hand it over to our partner at GitLab, Jennifer Kenny-Smith. Good morning, good morning. This is Jennifer Kenny-Smith. I'm the Civilian Sales Manager at GitLab, and I'm really excited to invite you to sit back, enjoy a cup of coffee while I have the opportunity to speak with and hear from my good friend, Raven Manuel. Uh, Raven is over at the National Museum of African American History and Culture, and currently she is the Senior Application Developer and DevOps Engineer. Good morning, yes. Raven. Good morning, how are you? Great. Um, so the first time I got wind about you and the things that you're doing within your role today is I have a friend of mine, well, a peer of mine that was at an HRC event and uh, shout out to HRC for organizing this platform where I have the opportunity to meet with brilliant minds and learn really from awesome people that are doing great things in the government. Um, anyway, my friend Mark had said, just came back from an HR event and I met a woman who would knock your socks off. She's super talented, very innovative. You have to meet her. So since that time, I've been looking forward to having time to connect with you and learn from you and really just want to share and pick your brain. Um, I am inspired by what's happening in the world of digital transformation and would like the time together to allow you to share your journey, what you've done, where you're going, and some nuggets of information that you can share with the world so that they can learn from you, if that's okay. Awesome. Whatever you need. Great. You need. I'm all about, all about sharing. Awesome. So let's start with this. Tell me a little bit about your journey, where you've been in your career, and what brought you to the museum. Gotcha. Um, the, I'll start with the formative uh, part of my uh, career, which was in the military. I served in the Army as a Russian linguist, and um, which was really fun. Um, and when I um, got out of the Army, I did not know what to do with myself since I went in so young, went in almost virtually I went from from high school to college, from college to the army. So I really didn't have much of a transition in learning about life. And then I um, got a job as a um, uh, as an AV chick for um, America Online. And so um, so I worked for AOL for about about almost ten years before they kicked me off the island. Which there's no bitterness there. It was a very good um, part parting. Um, worked for a couple of smaller businesses. So I worked for like .edus.orgs. I um, was a, um, a adjunct professor for the local community college teaching what I do, web app and web design. And then, and all things IT actually for that, for that school. Until, and then I found myself here at um, the museum working, after I worked for um, a large um, dot nonprofit. And so, um, which was a, 
if, if I had, I never had the dream that I'd work for the Smithsonian. It's just been always been my favorite institution. Um, I'm from New York. And so the next best place after the Twin Towers, which were my favorite buildings of New York, was um, DC and the Smithsonian. And so if I had had a dream to work for the Smithsonian, I'm living my dream um, for working for them. Um, the best part about it is that uh, as the in-house application developer, I actually developed the um, interactives that some of the interactives that people come in when visitors come to the museum and they um, play around with these um, web, they're actually web-based, but like kiosk machines, I actually develop those. Um, so that's what I do for when I'm not being, when I'm not wearing my dead pops hat and stuff. So yeah, it's an awesome job. It's super fun. What a beautiful museum too. Yes, it's yeah. awesome. Um, it takes a lot, the journey through the museum is a, it goes from heart wrenching to celebratory. Um, but I've actually, um, in the times that I've, because I work actually in another building that's near the Capitol building. So I don't actually work in the museum. But when I do go to the museum and I've taken friends to have a tour of it, I always start at the bottom floors, which is our history galleries, which is um, the stories about slavery and working my way up. And so I've not actually made it to the third, fourth or fifth floor where it's about sports and music and culture and um, which I really need to because um, the bottom floors, the bottom three floors kind of take it out of you. So I end up at the um, the con contemplative court, which is the court that has the, it's a fountain that comes from the ceiling actually. And you sit in there and you just kind of give you, give you away your thoughts. And yeah. um, it's just a really place space. Yeah. Have you had a chance to go? Yeah, I was just thinking that place that you described is just a place to kind of surrender and Yes. Kind of marinate, just meditate, just observe and feel. And I don't know if we get enough time to do that lately, right? No, no, we don't. But that's an, an awesome place um, to be. It's one of my target um, places for one of my projects that I would like to work on. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. You're so welcome. Let's shift into a little bit more about what you do day to day. So wearing the DevOps hat. Um, and what I understand is you didn't inherit a tool chain or existing technology, yeah. which I think one part of moving into transforming development and operations and securing and marrying all that together, that having to integrate with a bunch of different teams and different visions and different priorities, different budgets. Um, but to start from scratch is also a tremendous undertaking. So do you mind sharing a little bit about how you do that? How do you show up so brave to evaluate technology, determine what the success criteria is while you're evaluating, um, what are the needs and the requirements, and walk us through how you're designing that tool chain today. Absolutely, and you would think that it would be smooth, but um, our most of our development teams are contracted services, and so they bring with them to the table their own tool chain, the way that they are working. And so, for our biggest pro biggest digital project, which is our website, um, there are about four, well, three and a half teams actually working on that. Um, so, my very first um, look at DevOps, because DevOps did not exist, was how is that team working and being able to um, create the website 
and what is it that they're using? What are the tools that they are using to get the website um, created? What is the process for doing that? And um, that's where, yes, no legacy whatsoever, no um, turnkey projects. Um, I have great support from my leadership and, um, sorry <laughs> about that, great support from my leadership. Um, this, this, um, and the museum itself being um, a, like a digital first museum anyway, like the, our whole way of working is digital first. It means like, just go for it. You know what I mean? If it's going to bring about um, um, any type of performance or any type of initiatives that are going to make us better, then let's go ahead and, and do that. So my first look into the DevOps lens at the museum was just to watch what our processes were for the main website. How are we, how were we doing work? We were using, we are using a repository, which is, that is a tool. I, I mean, I don't hear it being spoken as, um, well, now I am actually starting to hear that the report, like your code repository is part of your tool chest when you're talking about DevOps. So we, the Smithsonian has one. And so everybody is actually using that. And so we were using that, but there was no automation. Um, there was no, um, it was just a bunch of process, the processes where this worked. So let's keep doing that thing, even though that thing might be cumbersome or that thing might not be the right thing to do for this next part of the project. Um, the teams worked very well together. So for three different contract companies, because their whole focus when we first started, when we were first opening was about getting it done, get the website up there, get this product, get not, not just, and I shouldn't even just speak about the website, any of the digital products, get them out there, let's get them de deployed um, and get them deployed any way they, they can be deployed. So it was just watching that and seeing, okay, one thing that we were struggling with was getting things started. Like once a project was agreed upon, how does the dev team actually start devving? Um, that was taking weeks because we were having to rely on OCIO to actually provision servers for us to be able to start to work on that. So we started to leverage, um, we've, we use AWS, so we started leveraging our AWS um, assets and building up um, EC2, simply EC2 instances that would have a dev stage and QA and whether or not we'd have a production or um, not production was decided on whether the stakeholders wanted um, OCIO to manage the final product or we were going to ma manage the final product. And so spinning up EC2 instances and getting just an environment out there was the beginning. And that shaved off. It, as soon as we came out of the kickoff meeting, we were ready to start developing. Um, the way our DevOps team works, it's kind of like uh, Mission Impossible. You know how the Mission Impossible uh, way of working is that the teams come together and they bring together the resources that they need at that moment. Well, our DevOps team isn't actually a team because the whole point wasn't to make another siloed organization. It was to bring together the people who had the skill set to be able to do the infrastructure, to be able to put in the processes. So if there's going to be a team, I'm the team. 
that is just it's just me and then when it comes time to spin up the um instances to get the infrastructure laid out then a system admin joins me and we work together to bring the um infrastructure up um we we deploy we in, integrated um jenkins as a tool to for just to start with automation um, very simple and that was my whole goal was to not break anybody but to simply little by little introduce these new things into the toolkit um, to get us working so when um, we brought in automation that little bit of automation is where I found that the teams were brittle and um, and were not able to act so I had to go whoa and stop um, and not um, bring in other tools that I actually wanted to, to do in there. So where I'm at right now is creating a strategy of how can my projects that I work on, which are one-offs, and any of the other projects that the other, um, other than the web main website, how do all of us as team members work so that we all bring DevOps into our way of working without me being um, dictatorial, dictate, what is it, being a dictator <laughs> about how they use their tools and um, also, but also get that consistency and consistent metrics. That is really where we are right now. So how do you do that? I mean, you have your settings, your, your vision and standards and having this get it done, get it up, go live pressure and need really to get that data out there. How are you able to really kind of push everybody forward in the right direction and then also be mindful of where things are brittle and fragile and yeah. looking at when are you ready to evolve with new tech? How, does, how do you manage all that? The, the way that I'm managing it is by coming up with a, what I've called a design pattern. Because um, I'm as a full stack developer, um, front end has the design pattern by Brad Frost. He, it was um, the atomic design. And basically, the whole point of the atomic design is to how do you, um, are you adaptable and flexible and um, serve many browsers, many operating systems, many devices for many front ends. That's what uh, the um, atomic design is made to do. And so what I do is based off of a, not just the communication plan, but the technical specifications and the requirements documents for the applications, I look at the main components of um, DevOps, which is the content delivery and content development, right? That is the, ma the main two things, the CI and the CD. And then you look at all of the other components that the DevOps has to um, deal with, which is like governance, risk management, um, administration, all of those little bitty pieces. And in the plan during the kickoff, um, the DevOps team, whoever makes up that team at that time, we look at these applications and we say, look at governance. What is it that we need for governance? Look at um, the service delivery. What is it that they're needing for somebody to, like what, how, what kind of service needs to be delivered? Look at risk management, look at security, um, which is why I don't say DevSecOps because security is built in. Um, look at the security needs. So you look at all of these needs and in this one complete document, we have 
all of these knowledge domains and the two really big um, delivery and development along with service. And we design a design pattern for that particular um, pro project. And so the project um, might be like one, an interactive for, um, we have the reconstruction that's coming up, right? So it's an interactive for reconstruction or, to, or an interactive for World War One, which they look completely different and they're being handled. There's several interactives in each of those particular in exhibitions, but the um, DevOps practice for those that are being developed now have these bits of components which have been looked at, which say, okay, we're going to use these maybe tools to be able to um, bring that together or use this process to bring that together, but they've all been looked at. And so all the goodness that comes with DevOps has been considered for all of them, which makes brings in um, the, the ability to be to actually get our incremental, because that's what I'm about, the little incremental continuous increasing of um, performance, which is what my management really wants. Yes. Awesome. That is a great summary. And I, I am so happy you shared about that. I think that uh, the listeners will want to know what steps can make their evolution easier, right? How, what, what can they model that you've already done, what you've learned? Um, so yeah. that's super powerful. Thank you for that. Um, is there anything else you want to share in regards to best practices or lessons learned? I and mean, you make this sound super seamless. And I know that there's probably a lot of push and pull in the, within the dynamics of the leadership team and the team that you're leading as well. Anything that you can share that was an aha moment or something that you wish you had known sooner? Oh, yes. Wow. Two things. One that I wish I had known sooner thing was that I wish I had not talked about tools from the beginning with um, my leadership. That was a mistake that I made. I focused on the tools and how automation and certain tools would bring about um, this, um, the goodness, the, the, the ability to get from point A to point B and to us um, realize these efficiencies. I talked about that a lot up front um, when they had already bought in. They had already bought in. They really didn't need any more selling. Um, and then what happened was the expectation was let's go ahead and move forward with getting these tools into the hands of the developers and into the DevOps team so that we can go ahead and realize these things. And um, again, once implementing the one tool re uncovered that, oh my gosh, this, the team works a certain way. They're not, we're not going to be able to actually bring in the rest of these tools until you're able to commit to the change that's needed by your way of working. Um, two, I learned from a, a peer of mine at USPTO. Um, we were on a panel together and he was talking about how he, and I'm paraphrasing him, so I don't, if he's listening, I don't want him to cringe. He said um, that it makes him cringe when people talk about culture change, how DevOps has a culture change, and he would rather them not think about it as a culture change. Um, and it's really more about the way the organization is structured. And I started to think about that more, and it's very true. If the organization 
is structured in a way that makes walls and puts these hierarchies there, it's going to be harder to um, overcome them when you're using DevOps. So it's really not a culture change. It's sometimes what it would be. It's more about having to work uh, antithesis against the way your hier the hierarchy of your organization is formed to be able to step outside of the way your organization operates um, to be able to implement DevOps the way it needs to be because it's such a, a collaborative effort that we can't you can't have this is my pie type of attitude. You can have subdramatic experts, which is why the DevOps team for us does have a security manager. And I don't step into his shoes and think that I can do security because he knows security better than I do. And although I know system admin stuff, I don't step on the system admin who's trying to do the um, the final details when it comes to spinning up like a EC2 instance or something, I don't step on them because they have the expert. So it's one thing to recognize the expertise that comes along with the reason why people, why organizations are hierarchy. It's to, you said a word earlier, transcend that and to be able to work through it because it is very collaborative and communication is such the key. So it's more about a communication change rather than a culture change. Yes, I, that resonates so much. I actually had a, a leader within one of the agencies, I'd say at least deputy director or higher had said, Jennifer, you need to help with the cultural shift, the cultural change. And I was like, how do I do that? And but to your point, like you've just blown my mind, it, it can't just, that's almost easier assuming it's, cause that sounds like, well, how do you do that? What are the steps to your point? It's harder to open the communication structure and to come to a place of alignment for the greater good for the, either the customer user experience or to align with the mission all in all. I think you just debunked what we, the fear of making these transformations happen seamlessly, effortlessly, because they're right. not, right? There's a lot of sweat equity. There's a lot of grit. There's a lot of power behind it. Um, and yeah. yeah, I love that. Great information. Well, I'm going to wrap us up. Is there any parting words, any last nugget or advice you want to share? I love your passion. And um, this has been really just refreshing to have this time with you. Oh, that's awesome. I would, my parting words is commitment is the key. Um, commitment is scary. It's one of the, it's the C word um, and people want to do it. They have the desire to do change. Change is a C word as well. Um, so the commitment to change is one of the things that um, along with communication. If you think about those C words that are really needed for de DevOps, they are needed, but um, if, if the person that's trying to do the transformation recognizes commitment, change, and communication are going to be the hardest things, not culture, right? Th those three things are the things that I have to get over, then it might help them with their strategy for how to attack. And I don't want to use attack, actually, how to um, lead 
and guide this transformation if you have those things in focus because even us being um, future focused and flexible as we were um, when it came time to commit getting people to be committed to do to change their ways of working it was a, it was a bear um, it was hard so commitment changing and, and um, communication those are the key things right there Excellent. Um, my friends listening, if you want to learn more or hear more from Raven, she is a part of the ATAR community in the working groups and a leader there. And uh, I'm so excited for you. Thank you for sharing with us. <laughs> and welcome. I will be watching you continue to expand and, and inspire the DevOps world. Thanks for being a part of this. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Jennifer. I really appreciate it. And thanks to ATARC for supporting the, this whole endeavor. Yes, all things DevOps. Thank you, ATARC. Thank you, Kirsten. <laughs>